Good evening. This is Melvin Thornhill. And this is Robin Thornhill. Of Destiny New Image Ministries. Welcome once again to our Image Podcast Series. This is episode number nine. This evening, I will continue with our Mirror Image Series. Tonight's topic, Identity Crisis, The Marred Image of Man. Now, just think with me just for a few moments. Just one indiscretion or one act of disobedience can change the trajectory of your destiny. Adam and Eve, by one act of disobedience, caused the entire human race to go into a tailspin, creating thereby the dysfunctional family. And that is what our topic is going to be about this evening. We're going to explore the dysfunctional family through the life of Jacob. Robin, can you continue with where we left off at last? Well, last in the last podcast, we left Jacob fleeing from his home land because he was being pursued or thought he was being pursued by his brother Esau because of the treachery that took place between his mother switching the brothers and allowing Jacob to actually be given the birthright blessing from his father. So now Jacob is on the run. He ends up at his uncle's house, Laban. So you were going to continue this week with the continuation of dysfunction in the family. Yeah, before I begin, I want to just give uh, a definition that I found of uh, what a dysfunctional family is. A dysfunctional family is one where the normal healthy functioning of the family is impeded through negative behavior, such as abuse, apathy, neglect, or lack of emotional support. In some cases, children end up with low self-esteem, poor self-image, not feeling valuable, and they grow up with beliefs and behaviors that are abnormal. So as we continue on in our storyline of Jacob's life, Jacob has fled to Laban, his uncle. And when he arrives at his uncle's residence, he begins to share with his uncle everything that his mother had shared with him to do. He showed, he told his uncle all of the deception that his mother shared with him. And based on what was shared with him, his uncle Laban realized that he also had the upper hand. Okay, so what do you mean by he had the upper hand? What did his uncle do? Well, his uncle Laban was even more deceptive than Jacob's mother because what he did was he actually got Jacob to work for him for seven years because he loved his daughter, Rachel. And after seven years, his uncle Laban deceived him by sending the older daughter into the tent the night of the marriage and deceived him, making him think it was Rachel 
but it was really Leah that he married because by custom, you have to marry the oldest first. So in that turn, Jacob was deceived. He had sown the wind and he had reaped, he is now reaping the whirlwind. So it sounds like because there was this deceitful, deceitful kind of behavior going on in the family from the mother and her brother and Jacob himself, because he was definitely a part of this conspiracy to take the birthright from Esau, everybody's being shady. That is so that's what you mean by he sowed in the wind and reaped the whirlwind. And I think this is an important point because I believe a lot of times when things are going on in our lives, we have to really think about, is this something that I am reaping? So with that in mind, what happened in the story between well, Ray, Rachel and Leah? Yeah. Just let me say this one thing before I go on. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a seed that a man sows, that shall he also reap. And we spoke about this once before in the law of Genesis, that every seed produces after its own kind. So this is Jacob's time to reap what he has sown. So as we begin again to share the story of Jacob's life, we find out as time progresses that Jacob is now married to Leah, who is his wife. But then he works another seven years for his uncle Laban to receive Rachel also as his wife. But his, his uncle, throughout his entire relationship with him, continued to deceive him. And even the Bible says that he changed Jacob's wages 10 times by deceiving him. So then it sounds like sometimes when you sow, you reap exponentially. Yes. And you know, that's, that's an interesting thing about a seed. If you plant a corn, uh, you know, a kernel of corn, when you get the stalk, the stalk may have you know, I don't know, 70, 80, 100 uh, uh, kernels. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. So then let me ask you this. What what would you say was like a really important point for, for us to learn from what's happening with Jacob? And now he's married to two women. And we most, most of us know the story. He did not really love Leah. He really loved Rachel. And so what occurred because of his... Well, well, because of Jacob's thinking that he loved Rachel, but he did not love Leah, it did not matter to God because God honors covenant, the covenant of marriage. The covenant of marriage has nothing to do with other things that are going on in the relationship. God would not allow Rachel, whom he loved, to have children because Jacob withheld his love from the firstborn, who was Leah. Okay, so then how did this matter get resolved? 
The matter was resolved when Jacob resigned and decided to show uh, Leah the love that was due in the marriage covenant. When Jacob began to love Leah like he was supposed to, God allowed Rachel to have children. Okay. And I think that's important because one of the reasons why we have these podcasts is because we want to help people understand that your mess ups or your mistakes, and even if they're generational, do not have to make it, this is what it's going to always be. So it sounds like at this point, Jacob started to turn things around by doing the honorable thing and doing what he was supposed to do. So that that gives people hope when they hear that, okay, I, I can fix this. That's correct. Jacob had many flaws in his character, but God had already decided before it ever begun that Jacob was chosen to be the person who would be blessed and would receive the birthright. His only mistake that he made was between his mom and himself was going ahead of God. They decided not to wait for the promise of God. They went ahead of God instead of trusting God. Trusting God to bring the promise to pass and not going after things in their own strength, in their own ability. That's important. That's very important. It's important because we have to find out that God will allow us to go on our own in our own strength, in our own ability, until we come to the end of ourselves. No more strength. You can find that also as an example in the seventh chapter of Romans when Paul said that when I would do good, evil was always present with me. But then Paul came to the end of himself. He no longer had the ability or the strength to overcome his weaknesses. So he resigned and he said to himself, when I am weak, then I become strong. When you have come to the end of yourself, when you have come to the end of your ability, the end of your strength, the the end of your trying, your efforts, that's when God can come in with his amazing grace and transform your life the way he wants it to be transformed. Jacob had to run his course. His course had to be run until Jacob could come to the end of himself. He had to reap the recompense of his reward for his sins. Although Jacob was turning, it still was more things that needed to be rectified in Jacob's life before God could actually bring him to his Waterloo, his crossroads or to the end of himself. Now, I know there's another interesting part of this story that involves sort of the closure with Esau. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, the closure with Esau took place when Jacob decided to go back home. And when he decided to go back home, Jacob was a person that was broken, He had come to the end of his roads 
And the Bible says that he sent his family on ahead of him to meet Esau first. And he sent everybody ahead. And he, the Bible says it this way. The Bible says, and Jacob was left alone. Okay. Now, I just want to put a little, little sidebar on this. The Bible says that Jacob was left alone when he wrestled with the angel that night. But if the truth be told, and scripture proves this out by proof text, when God said to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. We didn't see Adam and Eve die that day, but they died in their relationship and connection to God. Well, when, Bob, when the Bible says that Jacob was left alone, I want to submit to my listening audience tonight that Jacob was left alone when he sinned with Esau and stole the birthright. He was now on his own, using his own ability and his own efforts in his life until he came to the end of himself. And then he wrestled all night long with the angel because he was empty. He was bankrupt. He could no longer go any further. And he told the angel, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. All right. All right. He had to come to the end of himself. But your point is very well made and that's how we see two major disconnections take place adam and eve and then jacob jacob's situation with stealing esau's birthright so when he went finally got back home what happened when he finally got back home jacob had become a changed man jacob was no longer called jacob anymore which meant hill catcher, supplanter, trickster. That name was no longer his anymore because God had transformed him and changed his identity. He was now called Israel, Israel. So he had a new focus, a new direction and a new destiny because the promise that was already given to him through the beginning was given to Jacob that he would be the blessed person and the elder would serve the younger. So now he's coming to the realization of the blessing of God. But look, my listening audience, the Bible says, or not the Bible, but life is choice driven and you live and die by the choices you make. So we find out that the choices that Jacob made didn't have to be. He created many years of lost time. By one bad choice, he created 20 years lost in his life because of a bad choice to get to the blessing that was already his in the beginning because God promised it to him. And see, I think that that really is, is important for us to consider in this story because a lot of times we're struggling with something that already struggling and striving for something that already belongs to already us. belongs to us. God has already promised us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has promised us already. He has given us certain things 
that if we will trust him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, we will in turn receive the blessed promise that he has given us. Now, we're going to go to steps tonight of discovery. We've shared, we've shared these different things, and we want to transition to some things that we want to share with you regarding discovery. Robin, let's see what we uh, can bring out tonight. Well, as you were teaching, I just thought about different things that I've wrestled with, and part of discovery involves us asking ourselves the question. Are we wrestling with God? And if so, just like Jacob wrestled with the angel, have we come to the end of ourselves where we're number two, willing to have that kind of encounter that will be transformative? Because that's the only way we can affect change if we're number three, committed to seeing the change. So first we've got to acknowledge that we're wrestling with something. Number two, we've got to identify that there's a necessity for a true encounter. And then once the revelation has come, we got to be committed to seeing a change in our lives. Now, I'll give you two examples. For a long time, I was very sensitive growing up. And after I got saved and, you know, matured a bit, I began to realize that Many times being hypersensitive is a result of some inner turmoil or struggle where I'm a person is not really seeing themselves in the right through the right lenses. What I mean by that is to shorten this all is I use two scriptures constantly to help keep me in balance. The first one is John 10:27 through 28 because the Lord showed me that once after uh, a prayer session, he asked me a simple question or in my spirit, I heard a simple question. Why are you listening to that? Because my sheep hear my voice. So if I'm listening to something that is a counterpoint to what God would say to me, why am I even listening to that? And then I was reminded of Ephesians 6, 12, verse 12, that talks about we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but power, spiritual wickedness. We got to bring all of that mess that tries to take up some space in our minds and say, uh-uh, that doesn't belong to me. I don't accept that. Take it away. Just like if someone brought a UPS package here and it didn't have my name on it, I would say that doesn't belong to me. So... I've just learned to be able to have the right kind of self-talk and not allow negativity to overwhelm me and other scriptures I use sometimes when I'm dealing with sensitivity is knowing that my steps are ordered by the Lord, Psalms 37 and 23. And then also knowing that if I just commit my way to him, he is going to direct my path. So I don't have to be concerned about what somebody else is getting. See, that was Jacob's problem. I, 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 I want what Esau wanted. I wasn't stuttering. I was just trying to make emphasis on when we are so 
overwhelmed with what is not what we're not getting because it's, it belongs to somebody else. That's when we get all twisted up. And so, in conclusion, you just have to look through the right lenses, mm-hmm. and it helps you to keep yourself free from a whole lot of confusion and inner turmoil. Which is if Jacob's mother from the beginning had decided to trust God, all that would not have taken place. That is so true. I I really like the second scripture that you had in Ephesians, and it made me think about uh, another scripture, companion scripture, where it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the, the knowledge of God. So that is very important. Don't let images take root in your thought life to take you through and take you to a different direction of where you need to go. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate everything tonight, everything the Lord has revealed and opened up to us. So I, I just pray that if there's someone tonight that has gone or is going through any form of crisis, identity crisis, anyone that is struggling with uh dysfunction in their family. I want to encourage you tonight that Jesus is available. He's available to help you and to encourage your heart and also to transform you. So I want to share a small prayer before we close out. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity of being able to come and share together, Robin and I, about this dysfunctional family and how we can help people and their lives to see ways to move forward and be better and to grow up in Christ. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And remember, before I say you're blessed, our our closing statement, you know you're blessed because you are blessed. Don't let your past determine your future. You can change it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. Good night.